Good day, everybody. This is Rico, and this is Treks in Sci-Fi, show number 71 for Wednesday, August 30th, 2006. Here's another Wednesday show for everyone. Got a lot of things to catch up on, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Scotty, beat me up. Fascinating. Stand by to receive our transmission. Welcome to the podcast again, everyone. This is Rico, your host for Treks in Sci-Fi. Like there might be some other host here instead, but no, just me again. Uh, I appreciate, of course, as usual, everyone uh, downloading the podcast and listening. Everyone that's a new listener, welcome. Everyone that's been here a long time, what are you still doing here listening to me? Anyway, uh, this is the Trek and Star Trek and Star Wars and Sci-Fi Geekery podcast. This is a Wednesday show, which I don't think I've done in a couple of weeks, but... This one's going to be kind of a little more relaxed, hopefully about a half hour long, I think. And we're just going to go over some things that have been going on, some uh, backlog of emails, some voicemails from some uh, people that are contributing to the show, which I always appreciate. And let's just get that out of the way a little bit. Uh, On the voicemail side of things, there's a couple of ways you can do that for the show if you'd like. You can always call the voicemail line, which is 206-88-TREKS with an S on the end of it, or you can always create a uh, small audio file like in an MP3 format and email that into the show at treksf at gmail.com. It's always nice to get those, especially, you know, the audio is a lot easier to use and deal with than uh, emails, although I always enjoy those too, and I'm going to go through a few of those today on the show. But the uh, audio comments are always fun because everyone uh, gets to really get out there and express their opinion with their own voice rather than me reading their uh, email, which isn't isn't quite as fun. A few other uh, bits of business here to go through. If you go to the main website, which is treksf.com or treksinsci-fi.com, there is a link on the left-hand side in the main menu uh, called uh, T-shirt orders which I talked about on the last podcast. I just wanted to mention those again, and I'm probably mentioning them for the next week or two. T-shirt orders are going pretty good. I'm hoping to get uh, quite a few more because the more I get, the the better it'll be overall, and I won't have to place a lot of extra orders for people that don't get their orders in in the pre-order phase of things. Again, the price of the T-shirts are $25, which will include shipping, and I'm also going to include in each uh, T-shirt that goes out a, a special little surprise. It's nothing major, but just a little something extra that I have done uh, that I think uh, people would enjoy, so that'll go out with every T-shirt order. The The date I'm looking for to sort of end the pre-order phase of this is probably the weekend of like September 9th and 10th which will be uh, the the weekend after Labor Day coming up here in the States. So you've got about 10 days approximately to get your shirt orders in. I will have a couple extra probably, but I can't really guarantee that. Uh, Generally, I'm going to mainly place the order with the the numbers that I get and the sizes that I get. Oh, one thing on the size, uh, people are telling me on the PayPal link and all, 
that there is no place to really put a comment in for the size. I'm sorry about that. I thought I had it set up to to allow comments, but what I'm saying right now, best thing to do, use the PayPal, get your order in, and then just shoot me an email at treksf at gmail.com and let me know what size you are, large or extra large or whatever. One thing to keep in mind always, at least when you order a t-shirt, I always, at least for myself, order them a little bit bigger. These are a 50-50 t-shirt, 50 cotton, 50 polyester blend. Uh, I'm not going to get down in too much more detail, but uh, they don't generally shrink quite as much as like the 100% cotton t-shirts is one of the reasons I, I like these a little bit better. So there, there'll be a little bit of shrinkage, but not much. Uh, so if you, you know, if you kind of think you're a little bit more between large and extra large, I'd always go to the extra large. Just, just a comment. So, uh, so get those orders in for the t-shirts. And once, like I said, I get the orders in around the ninth or tenth, I'll place the order that next week. I think it's going to take about two weeks to get them, and then the, then I'll be mailing them out to people that ordered. So, yeah, probably I'm hoping by the end of September or in that time frame, that's when they should be. Uh, heading out to people, I hope, as long as the uh, the printing place doesn't take uh, too long. They're saying right now about two weeks to get them done. So so that's, uh, that's it on the t-shirt uh, topic. Another bit of uh, website and information for the, the show that I wanted to mention, I started a, uh, a Flickr group. Well, I, I guess I started this about a week and a half, two weeks ago. There are a couple of people, uh, Len from Jawbone Radio, which is a great podcast. I really recommend it. Uh, he has started a, uh, a group of drawings on Flickr called the, the Zombie Army. And I kind of got inspired. I used to do a lot of artwork in college, especially, and in early uh, after college I did a little bit and just kind of played around with it. I've kind of been out of it doing that for a while, but I have a lot of sketches and old things that I've been trying to dig out and, and get back into to drawing and sketching a lot more like I used to. But anyway, I created on Flickr a, a different army group uh, inspired, like I said, by Len uh, from Jawbone Radio. I created this uh, thing called the Robot Army. I, I really like robots, the, the robot from Lost in Space, Robbie the Robot from Forbidden Planet, that movie, which, by the way, they've just uh, coming out soon with the 50th anniversary 2 DVD set of Forbidden Planet. So put that on your Christmas list. That should be a great thing for sci-fi fans. One of the great sci-fi films back from the uh, 1950s. But anyway, there is this uh, robot army group. So if you're an artist out there and you like to draw and want to draw up a little robot and you uh, join up with Flickr, you have to be a member on Flickr, but it's free. And it's just a, an image hosting site. The, the name of the uh, of Flickr, the way that works, uh, it's www.flickr, which is F-L-I-C-K-R.com. And this robot army can be found flickr.com slash group slash robot army. And I will, uh, there'll be a link, uh, I'll put a link up on the main webpage at Trek SF, so you'll be able to see that there, and I'll also link it in the podcast notes for this week. So if you're somebody who likes to do art, and you know, this will take anything. I mean, there's, you know, great, great stuff up on it already, and whatever you want to do, just a little black and white pencil sketch or a full color thing in Photoshop or whatever you feel like, put it up there, and we'll get the robot army moving along to total world domination. I want to start uh, going through some of these uh, of both uh, written emails and voicemails. I'm going to play uh, the first voicemail that I'd like to do here. This one's from Scott on the forums, on the Trek SF forums. 
And he had a comment about Stargate and the cancellation of Stargate. So I'll play that for uh, you right now. All right, dude. This is Scott from the forums, and I got a bone to pick with you. I think you're doing the fans of Stargate a disservice by only reporting half of the Stargate news. You might not have heard it, so I apologize, but uh, along with the cancellation came news or stories that MGM is still very committed to the to uh, Stargate, and uh, they've actually confirmed that they're looking for a new home for SU-1, and uh, that it's very important to keep the ratings up for the rest of the season instead of just stop watching. Uh, if the ratings are strong, it'll show to other, to other networks that it's still a viable property, and then they might pick it up and run with it. So I just thought I'd... I'd let you know about that so you can actually uh, finish telling the news. <laughs> anyway, I thought I'd let you know. I'm tired. I'm bleh. Sorry, I'm kind of rambling. It's a little after 4 o'clock in the morning, and I'm working, and it sucks. So I'll talk to you later. Bye. Well, thanks, uh, thanks very much for that voicemail, Scott. Yeah, I uh, I haven't heard any real big confirmations uh and like you mentioned there that they're looking for a new home force for stargate sg1 i i'm not surprised by that that's always seems to be always a possibility with you know when these shows have gotten canceled it has it happened also with farscape which got canceled there really uh too early and at least stargates had 10 years and i didn't mean at all when i mentioned that stargate had been canceled by the sci-fi channel to say hey that's it kiss it goodbye don't watch it anymore they really I mean, they just started not too long ago in July, their 10th season. I think they've maybe shown, well, they're maybe about the halfway point, not quite the halfway, maybe about episode 7 or 8 now of the 20 that will be, I think, showing for the 10th season, which won't uh, end until the next uh, next springtime, actually. So, yeah, definitely keep watching it. I, I'm definitely continuing to watch Stargate SG-1 and Stargate Atlantis. I enjoy both those shows. And yeah, send your show your support. Write them letters. Do whatever you need to do. Uh, personally, I think it's a little bit unlikely it will end up in another uh, another network or another home. It has been on uh, quite a long time, and there are you know some expenses associated with it and so forth. But I think what's more likely that I've been hearing and reading about right now is a Stargate movie, which may combine. The Stargate SG-1 cast, maybe some of the people from Atlantis, something like that. I think that's a, a good possibility, whether it'll be a theatrical thing or more likely something like a miniseries made for the Sci-Fi Channel, perhaps in the future. Personally, I think that's the most likely outcome. But yeah, definitely show your support and keep watching Stargate. I'm going to go through a few emails here. Uh, I got an email quite a while ago, actually, from uh, Brian uh, Brian Dunn, who I believe is on the forums now. Brian wrote uh, in regards to me doing the show, uh, the the show on the Star Trek motion picture movie. He says, "Hey Rico, great to see you're going to be discussing Star Trek the motion picture in this week's show." So he obviously sent this before I did that podcast. I mirror some comments you made a few shows back about the motion picture. He says he was 11 when it came out and distinctly remembered the sense of excitement over finally seeing New Trek after a 10-year hiatus, not counting the animated series. You know, he goes on to, to really say he, he enjoyed the the movie quite a bit, and he's an ardent defender of the film, especially the director's cut that came out. And, and yeah, thanks, uh, thanks for that email, Brian. As you know uh, pretty well by now, after probably listening to last week's podcast, I, I feel the same way. 
I think there are a lot of good elements of, uh, in the film, and I think it's often, you know, kind of put down on the on the bottom of people's lists as far as the Star Trek movies go. But I definitely feel it's it's a worthy effort. To, you know, some of the things could have been better, but I I really enjoy the movie, and I'm happy that I got a chance to do a podcast about it. And thanks for your email. You got another uh, email here. This one's from uh, Bradley. Ames, I think is his last name. Bradley says, Hello, Rico. I just wanted to say thank you. I am an over-the-road truck driver, and I seldom get to watch Star Trek or any sci-fi. I enjoy listening to your podcast while I'm driving down the road. I can almost see the episode in my head while I am driving. Lucky, Luckily, you don't have a video cast, or I'd be in trouble. <laughs> uh, thanks again for doing the podcast. Keep listening as I am trucking. Thanks, Bradley Ames a.k.a. Bug Eater. Well, hi, Bug Eater, Breaker Breaker. Oh, my gosh, I, I can't believe I said that. Uh-huh. Well, thanks for listening, Bradley. I'm glad, uh, you know, I, I really, uh, since I've started to, to both podcast and listen to quite a few podcasts, my my drive to work is, is much improved. I, I have about approximately an hour drive each way to work every day. And those those drives are much better now that I got an iPod and, and can listen to podcasts. So I, I can't even imagine how much it's probably so much better, especially if you're a truck driver and driving, you know, whatever eight ten hours a day or more in a, on the road to to have podcasts to listen to. I, I'm sure that it makes the time go by a lot better. So thanks for listening to the show, Bradley. Got another uh, email here. This one's from uh, a guy named Ben Culp. Says, "Dear Rico, I've listened to your podcast for most of the last six months when I first discovered it. We were about the same age, and I played uh, Star Trek on the playground with the other seventh graders back in '69. Oh my goodness! Of course, we never taped episodes like you did, and those tapes that you have are truly treasures. You don't cover much of the Enterprise series on your podcast, and this was not a popular series with many of the Trek friends." But any Trek is is good Trek in my book, and I watched every episode. Oh, there are a few episodes from Enterprise series that I think were standouts and would be interested to know if these stuck, uh, struck you in the same way. I think he goes on to talk about the Andorians. He enjoyed those episodes. They had the episode Twilight, which had Captain Archer kind of have a memory loss situation, which was a very interesting one. And then the uh, two-parter with In a Mirror Darkly which is a very interesting uh, set of episodes. So, yeah, that's, uh, and, and he says, please accept my congratulations on your success as your podcast approaches its one-year anniversary. You do an excellent job. Ben Culp from Michigan. Oh, hey, another Michigan boy. Well, thanks uh, thanks much for your email, Ben. Yeah, I've the only Enterprise episode that I've had a chance to cover so far is I did the pilot of Enterprise a uh, couple months back maybe now, I think, Sometime in the early part of the summer, June or so, maybe May. Uh, I I definitely enjoyed the Enterprise series. I, I think it's also just like the motion picture. I think it gets a little, you know, short end of the stick. I think especially the last couple of seasons were were really good Star Trek uh, on the air. I really enjoyed the, the series, uh, various series arcs of episodes they did in in the fourth season. They're also going to be rerunning Enterprise coming soon on the Sci-Fi Channel, I believe, is when it's going to be showing. I think towards the end of September is when it's going to start. So keep an eye out for that if you missed Enterprise the first time around and don't have the DVDs yet. So thanks for your your email, Ben, and I will definitely be covering more Enterprise in the future. On that front, uh, on covering other Star Trek, I have to say a couple other things about two other bits of Star Trek. One would be the animated series, which will be out on DVD in November. 
and one, the other will be uh, the Voyager television uh, Star Trek series. Both of these I am going to cover. I've said before a couple times the the thing stopping me uh, in both cases for the most part are the lack of me having the DVDs yet. I do have Voyager on videotape, the animated series on videotape, but it's a little easier with computers and, and DVDs these days to grab audio clips and stuff off DVDs. So that's kind of one of the reasons, not that I don't enjoy both of these series. It's uh, the DVD factor primarily, although I am probably going to be picking up a couple of seasons of Voyagers very soon in the next week or so. So hopefully I'll be covering the Voyager uh, Voyager pilot uh, without uh, you know too much more time going by, maybe in a few weeks. So look forward to that. As you can tell today on Wednesday, I'm, this is kind of my catch-up show, uh, and not I don't mean the, uh, the the red stuff you put on hamburgers or whatever. I mean just to get caught up on emails and things like that. I want to mention a couple things. I'm just going to slide it in right now. On a, these are sort of collectibles, but I wanted to kind of point these things out to people. One is the the new Star Trek magazine. I have it sitting right here on my desk as I'm podcasting. This just came out. I got it about a week ago. I I think. What this really is, it's a UK-based, United Kingdom-based magazine that they are starting to publish and release here bi-monthly. It's going to come out every two months in the United States, and you can get a subscription. I think it's uh, the place you can go to online, to, to just to let you know, you go to uh, Titan Magazines, titanmagazines.com, all one word, slash uh, Trek card. I think if you just go to titanmagazines.com, they have several magazines that they put out a lot on the sci-fi side. They do a Battlestar Galactica one, the Star Trek magazine, Lost, uh, a Stargate magazine, and quite a few others. So you can you can subscribe there. It, but I wanted to say that this is a, a really well-done magazine. I flipped through and, and read a good portion of it, the, probably about the first half or, or a little bit more of the magazine. Some great photos, some great uh, articles in the magazine. Well worth it for the Star Trek fan out there. I think the only hitch with this magazine, and they had the same trouble with the old Star Trek Communicator magazine, is in these days of the internet and news getting flashed, you know, on the internet so fast. It, it's it's not really going to give you the most update news and information like on the upcoming Star Trek film and other things going on in Trek. This is a little more in depth. Uh, analysis, you get photographs, you get some things in there that it, you could probably find on the internet if you dug around a bit, but this is in a nice, you know, glossy format. They do a nice job with it. It's a full-size magazine, not small or digest size, and it's it's bigger than the old Star Trek Communicator, so it's getting uh, Rico's seal of approval. Definitely check it out if you're a Star Trek fan and enjoy getting magazines in the mail to to read and look at. This is well worth, uh, well worth a look, so check it out, the new Star Trek magazine. I got a uh, I got another voicemail here. I'd like to play. This is from uh, Jeff Elmo Long. He sent a little voicemail in uh, in regards to some of the things that I talked about on the Star Trek: The Motion Picture podcast from last weekend. So, listen to uh, Jeff uh, Elmo's voicemail. Here we go. Hey Rico, this is Elmo. I just wanted to drop you a little voicemail to let you know that I'm enjoying the podcast. Uh, I had sent you an email 
back when uh, early on when when you started the show. Uh, just to uh, say hello and to say congratulations. I thought I'd uh, say that again. I had, uh, just to help you remember, I had sent you a uh, link to a video that I had made uh, and was posted on the Trek Tunes website for the Spock's Brain episode. Uh, I don't know if you remember that at all or not. But I really liked... Uh, your look at the motion picture recently, and I thought you had some good comments to make. And one, a couple of small things that you didn't mention, or at least I don't remember you mentioning, is a lot of fans in the past I've heard uh, talk about some possible connection between V'ger and the Borg, and I was wondering what maybe your thoughts were on that. And also, out of all the clips that you played... I'm just going to pause it there for a second. No, I, I've never uh, heard a connection between the Borg and uh, the V'ger device or entity or whatever you want to call it. I, I've never heard that uh, rumor or thoughts before on, on anything like that. If anyone else listening to the show out there has ever heard any supposed connection between that I mean, I, I guess the, that the machine planet that V'ger supposedly had made contact with could be a Borgified planet out there, perhaps. But it 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 sure didn't really look like Borg technology when you looked at the V'ger device. So so who knows? It's possible. I, I, I could I could see that as a possibility. But I'm going to go back now and play the rest of uh, Jeff's call. Good ones. You didn't uh, you didn't play one of my favorite scenes, which was when Spock realizes what Viger's looking for and and he says something to the effect of Viger is uh, asking what everyone asks is this all that there is is there nothing more and I thought that was a really sort of powerful scene for Spock and it really contrasts well and and explains why he doesn't go back to Vulcan and the Kalinar discipline, because that's when Spock realizes that logic can't be all that there is. Anyway, my small comments that I wanted to pass along, and congratulations as you approach your first year. I also wanted to mention that... uh, Somewhat inspired by you and listening to your podcast, I've been doing my own podcast uh, now for for a couple months. I'm up to 15 shows at the moment. I do them not as as often as you do. I do a show every other week or so. And it's not for Star Trek fans, but it's for fans of the author Edgar Rice Burroughs. On tape delay from the Barsoomian Blade Bureau in Chicago, Illinois. Dateline Jassoon. For fans of Edgar Rice Burroughs and Pulp Adventure. Visit us on the web at panthanpress.com. Burroughs is the creator of Tarzan of the Apes and John Carter of Mars and lots of dinosaur-type stories. Uh, But mainly, Rico, I just wanted to tell you to keep up the good work, and I will keep listening. Thanks a lot for your voicemail. That was great, uh, Jeff. Elmo 
Hey, uh, I'm a, I like Edgar Rice Burroughs quite a bit, and I'll have to check out your podcast. I will link that uh, on the podcast notes for this week, Panthan. I think it's P-A-N-T-H-A-N press.com. I'll put a link in the podcast notes if everyone who is interested in Edgar Rice Burroughs and adventure and pulp novels from, uh, I guess, in the early 30s, 40s, 50s, in that time frame, I think is when they were, uh, check it out. And I've got uh, another voicemail here. This is another Scott voicemail. Scott was my uh, my voicemailer for this week, it seems. Scott had a comment about my my question last week about the whole Admiral versus Captain and what a, uh, you know, when Admiral Kirk takes command of the Enterprise again, everyone starts calling him Captain. I think I kind of knew the answer, but Scott uh, seems like he knows, and, and several people emailed me with the same information. So I'll let Scott talk about it now. Hey, Rico, it's uh, Scott again from the forum. And about uh, everyone calling uh, Kirk Captain, even though he's clearly an admiral, um, I wouldn't say it's a glitch. My understanding is it's actually naval tradition that uh, if someone's actually captaining the ship, they will call him Captain, regardless of the rank. I even recall, I think it was a, it might have been a Star Trek episode where someone was actually a lieutenant but uh, he had control of the ship for whatever reason, and everyone called him captain, even though his rank was lieutenant. And uh, I could be wrong, but that's just my understanding of it. So I'll talk to you later. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks very much for that uh, voicemail, uh, Scott. And I also, uh, Joe from the forums, uh, Darth Gaos is his name on the forum. He also uh, wrote in and said, because he, he says his father was in the U.S. Navy for 22 years, and he says the skipper of a ship is called captain uh, regardless of actual rank. There are actually ships in the Navy that have lower-ranking officers as skippers, and I believe they are also referred to as captain as a sign of respect for the fact the ship is theirs to command. So, yeah, I I kind of really kind of knew that, I guess, but I just it's great to get some confirmation from people, especially somebody who knows someone in the Navy. So so thanks, Joe and Scott, for that and for the others that wrote in and mentioned the same thing, that uh, you're you're a captain, whether you're in, uh, you know, you're a lieutenant, an ensign, whatever, that you're still the captain if you're in command of the ship at the time. So we got that settled. Hey, let's go on. I've got um, Kenny from the forums has graciously submitted some Comic-Con reports. I know Comic-Con was a few weeks back, but Kenny's been rather swamped with things and work and stuff, so he's getting around now to sending me some MP3 files with some information and comments about his experience at Comic-Con. I'm going to play a couple of these. Uh, I'll play the first one for you now, and he sent in another one I'll play towards the end of this uh, this show. So here's the first one from Kenny about Comic-Con. Hey, Rico, it's Kenny from California. Just wanted to drop you a few reports about my experience down in San Diego last month at the San Diego International Comic Con. I know you've talked about it on several of your podcasts, and I've been wanting to send in reports, so here's my first one. I went all four days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You know, this is my fifth year going. It was just as exciting as all the other years. I knew it was going to be busy. Every year it seems to get busier and busier. Thursday is normally our, you know, get your hotel, settle in type of day you know we work half days so we we really didn't get down to san diego probably until about four o'clock and then there were some hotel issues 
We had to take care of those. And by the time we were done with everything and actually got to the convention center to get our badges, it was already 6. And the, the south floor closes at 7. The one thing we did want to see on Thursday was the Kenneth Johnson panel. If you don't know who Kenneth Johnson is, he's the creator, the director, the writer of The, the original, Bionic Woman, Six Million Dollar Man, Alienation. He did a lot of 70s and 80s um, and 90s TV series. And he's actually doing current uh, sci-fi stuff right now. He's uh, The reason we were there is we wanted to hear him talk about V, the second generation, which is a sequel to his original V back in 84 that aired on NBC, the miniseries that aired on NBC. He didn't give too much away other than that it's going to be released uh, as a novel uh, early next year. Um, and he's in talks with Warner Brothers right now to make it a miniseries set 20 years in the future. And the aliens are still here. You know, most of humanity believes that they're here for good. You know, the I don't know if you guys remember, but at the end of the original miniseries, uh, the Resistance send a signal out to space to the visitors' enemies, which hoping, you know, they would be our friends. Well, they do arrive, and um, the whole question of are they here to help or, you know, take over humanity as well. So that's pretty much my Thursday schedule. Um, didn't do much, got there too late, uh, but we did manage to see Kenneth Johnson, which was exciting. And um, we just were preparing for Friday and Saturday and Sunday. Those are much busier days, and there's a lot to see and do. And I'll report on those coming up next. Talk to you later. Bye. Well, thanks a lot for that report, Kenny, for um, for uh, your first day there at Comic-Con. Kenny sent in one other audio clip that I'm going to play. I'm going to play that one at the very end of the show. It's kind of long. It's about uh, eight or so minutes long about his uh, next day at Comic-Con. I'll... I'm going to throw that at the end of the show, and I think he'll have some great and good information there that you'll be interested to hear about. I want to wrap this up, though, here. I've got a couple little uh, announcements, news, information that i got to pass on. Uh, the first, a couple other collectible things that I wanted to mention. One, I talked about maybe three or four podcasts back about Gene Roddenberry's son putting out scripts for from Star Trek episodes from the original series. I got the first one which is the scripted version of the first pilot called The Cage that was done with uh, Captain Pike uh, that was later turned into the two-episode Menagerie show. All I really want to say about this is, is <laughs> I don't usually say this very often, but don't buy this thing. It's, it's a very thin little uh, paperback book, and it's expensive. It cost me like $30, and unless you're a super-duper collector, and even myself feel that this is way overpriced for what you get, it's a thin little book. I'll try to get a uh, photo up of it up online sometime, but take my word for it, it, it is it is not worth thirty bucks at all. And I mean, it's nice to have the script there, but I, I just I don't think it's really worth the money. So there's uh, there's my take on that. The script issues coming from uh, Eugene Rod Roddenberry on these issues of scripts. I mean, if they put three or four of the scripts together in a nice like volume and it was twenty five thirty dollars, I'd say yeah, that's not bad. But this is way overpriced for what you get. I feel what I feel is is a better deal right now, although it's rather expensive. I did talk about this before, but now I have it in my hand and I can comment on it more, is the Christie's Auction two-volume set, the the whole catalog of 4,000-plus items that are going up on sale in at Christie's at the Star Trek auction this coming October. This is a $90 uh, auction catalog of Star Trek items, but the photographs and 
just the many, many pages that these volumes have make it well worth it, at least to me, from a, a collecting standpoint, seeing models, costumes, props, from all the various Star Trek series, all in, in a two-volume set like this is is really well done. Uh, the Akutas who worked on Next Generation and the, all the later Trek series spent spent many weeks and months cataloging all these items, providing information and photographs for these books, and, and it's really well worth it, especially if you're never going to really get a chance to, you know, see these things in person or go to the auction which uh, I think most people won't get a chance to. It is kind of expensive. They cost 90 bucks. but go to Christie's online, and I'll try to put a link in the podcast notes if you're interested in buying this two-volume set. It's a limited edition, so if you're interested, get it now. And I think that's about all I wanted to main- mention. I'm going to, like I said, I'll put uh, Kenny's last Comic-Con report or a second one on the end of the show. The, the other thing, though, that I need to report or mention is this weekend, gang, is going to be my one-year anniversary for Treks in Sci-Fi. A couple of comments on that. I'm going to do you know, kind of a regular show this Sunday with a couple exceptions. One is I am going to uh, hopefully get some uh, listener audio comments about the one-year anniversary of Treks in Sci-Fi. I'm looking for audio about what you guys have thought about the last year of Treks in Sci-Fi, maybe what you'd like to see for the future on the show. And things like that. Uh, please send those in, treksf at gmail.com. I know there's not a lot of time. I'm still going to record the show this Sunday. And I am also still going to look at a Star Trek episode. I thought for the one-year anniversary, and since we're so close to the 40th anniversary of Star Trek, that I would look at the original pilot episode, The Cage, with uh, Captain Pike and you know Mr. Spock when he wasn't quite really the Spock that we all know and all that. I thought that would be a fun episode to do for the the one-year show. So that's what I'm going to look at this weekend. I really would like uh, any audio comments you guys want to send in for the show. I can play those. And the other thing that I am going to attempt, I'm just saying attempt right now for this weekend show, is I have a webcam that I talked about maybe a few podcasts back. I am going to try to have that active while I record the show on Sunday morning. I generally record the shows Sunday morning, eh, 10, 11 a.m., give or take Eastern Standard Time. Now, that might be rather early, depending on where you are in the country, but I will try to have the, the webcam on while I'm recording, just so you guys can kind of see what I go through and all the all the goofs that I make while I'm doing the show. I'm not going to really be able to interact, I don't think, while I do this. This is kind of a test run. Uh, I got the inspiration a little bit uh, uh, for doing this from Scott Johnson over at the Extra Life podcast. He's been doing this for a few shows. He he gets people into the chat room. He seems to be able to do all that with the you know I'm Scott. Just I don't know. He handles like ten computers in the chat room and and voicemails and a, a lot better than I think I can handle. I, I need a little more time to do all that for this run. I'm just going to have the cam on. Feel free to to jump in if you just go to the webcam off of the main website on sunday morning which will be what day is that sunday will be the third of september yeah so uh which i think is almost exactly the uh, one year anniversary or maybe it was the fifth last year of september for the first show i don't even know who knows but uh, i think that's going to do it for this midweek wednesday show a little longer than i i was thinking uh, it was going to go but i think i needed to get this information out so Hope everyone tunes in to the one-year anniversary show this weekend. Send your audio in. I'd love to, to have those to play or or just an email, and I'll, I'll mention those. The show will probably go a little longer, and maybe I'll have a couple of special surprises for the one-year show. So 
please, uh, you know, come on back this weekend. So until then, this is Rico signing off for Wednesday. Stay tuned for Kenny's second Comic-Con report. And I won't be back after that, so we'll talk to you at the one-year anniversary show, which will be show 72 for Treks and Sci-Fi. See you then, everyone. Bye-bye. Hey, Rico. It's Kenny once again um, with my report on San Diego Comic-Con Day 2, Friday. Friday was my first full day at this year's Comic-Con, and I would have to say that it really didn't disappoint me. There were crowds, lines, people in costumes, and plenty of geeky things as far as the eye could see. Every year, I sit down with the program schedule for each day and make lists of what I want to see and who I want to see. Of course, there's always conflicting events happening at the same time, so I have to pick which ones I really want to see and have others on backup just in case I can't get into those. There were 12 events and or panels that I wanted to see, but only three were must-sees. When the doors opened to the huge dealer room, it's about the size of, a, I would say, a football field, I started to look at all the goodies. You couldn't imagine how much stuff there is in this room. I mean, it's like pop culture heaven. If I had an unlimited amount of money and space, I can do some major damage. But this time, I was only looking for a few figures for myself, and I was also picking up some action figures for friends who couldn't make it to Comic-Con. So it was a lot of fun to just, you know, kind of shop around and, and check out everything, even though I wasn't buying a ton of it. I knew that I had about an hour before I needed to get in line for the Warner Brothers presentation. Um, line, you had to line up really early, because even though it was in Hall H, which is the largest of all the of all of the panel seating areas. I think it holds like something like 7,000 people. There's still line goes on for hours. I mean, if you don't get in there, uh, you're pretty much uh, out of luck. So uh, I knew that Warner Brothers wasn't going to be showing any of the Harry Potter footage, which was one of the main reasons why I wanted to see it. Um, so it went from a must-see to a, to a, you know, if I had time. And to be honest, once you're on that dealer's room floor and you're walking through all of the the fun geeky things you know things you know time first of all flies by and you know panels don't become as important so i bypassed the whole warner brothers one um because you know if they weren't gonna do any harry potter thing i didn't see anything else that uh i really wanted to see uh, you know, they had a few stars but uh you know I, i'd rather be down on the south floor um, so around noon, I knew that I needed to get upstairs to get in line for the one thing that I really was looking forward to. The screening and the panel for Heroes. If you don't know what Heroes is, it's going to be a new TV series for NBC coming this fall. It's about ordinary people finding out they have extraordinary powers. Uh, some can fly, some are indestructible, some can read minds, uh, there's teleportation. It's very cool, at least it sounds very cool. I've been anticipating this since I first heard about it back in January. Um, I was very excited because they were going to have a special sneak peek at a 70-minute Comic-Con exclusive cut of the pilot episode. Plus, all but two of the main cast were going to be there to answer questions. So uh, I really was anticipating this. This was the one big thing that I had to do um, during this this year's Comic-Con. And uh, it didn't disappoint. It was a great pilot episode you know it it started off slower but it had to build each character and introduce you to everybody um, what their abilities are how they're dealing with them and then there was like a a a bigger plot woven 
throughout all their stories because you know they're all going to have to come together somehow. But uh, it definitely did disappoint me, and I look forward to the actual series starting this coming September. So uh, definitely check it out because it's definitely going to be worth watching. It's also it's, it's cool to to be there at the beginning of a phenomena because I was there three years ago when Lost premiered at Comic Con, the pilot episode, and I was just blown away by it. And of course, you you know you're never sure if it's going to be a huge hit because I was there last year for Invasion, and really enjoyed Invasion and that and that tanked unfortunately, but uh, it's cool to be able to say well I was there I, I was one of the first people to actually see the pilot you know when it first started, so uh, that's always exciting. At the same time, Heroes was happening. 20th Century Fox was doing their panel, and at the time I didn't know, but they had the actors for Spider-Man Three. Uh, Toby Maguire and Kirsten Dunst, which would have been awesome to see. Um, but you know, if I would have known that Fox was bringing those, it would have been, I think, harder for me to choose between Heroes or Spider-Man Three. But like I said, I've been anticipating Heroes for almost, you know, I don't know how many months—eight, nine months now—and uh, that definitely probably would have taken precedence over Toby and uh, Kirsten. I think I've seen them before when they promoted Spider-Man One. But uh, all in all, the hero panel was uh, was awesome. It was everything I was hoping for, and uh, the pilot was just it was just great. Um, after the heroes panel, I went back down to the dealers room and continued to go through the crowds of people and shop for items that I needed. Uh, about an hour after that, my nerves were just uh, starting to get frayed. Um, I can take crowds, but only to a certain limit. And uh, every year, the attendance has just doubled. Every single time. Like I said, five years ago when I went, for my first time, there was about 50,000. They estimated at this last one, uh, 110,000 people were there. So it was just too many people, and I just needed to get away. So um, I decided that uh, it was time for lunch. Uh, After lunch, I really didn't want to go back down to the floor, so I decided to go to another panel. And so for the next few hours, I went to uh, the Star Wars Day Lucasfilm's Star Wars Spectacular, which really is one big sales pitch uh, for what games are coming out next year. Um, But the two previous years, they have always had big announcements, like uh, the one year when they announced the title of the third episode, which was really cool. But this year was kind of disappointing because they didn't really have anything special. They they talked about the TV series, but vaguely because it's so far... Away. They haven't even started thinking about doing it yet until probably like 2008. Um, but they did, you know, they talked a little bit about the, uh, the new animated series that's coming out. But no details. They're very tight-lipped. Uh, oh, they did talk about the upcoming DVD releases of the original trilogy, uh, 4, 5, and 6. They actually showed the opening scroll of Star Wars, and it was awesome because it didn't say A New Hope, Episode 4. It was the original... No title, just the scroll, you know, just starts scrolling up, which was really cool. And then they showed the the scene with Han and Greedo, uh, who's shooting first. You know, Han shot first, Greedo never even shot. So that was really cool to see. And also found out that they no longer have any master cuts of the original episodes. So what they did is, is they took the Laserdisc master and made, and they, you know, remastered that for the DVD. So you're getting the Laserdisc remastered on these uh, new DVDs. Uh, I also went to the Jim Henson Company, The Power of the Dark Crystal. 
and found out about some upcoming movies and events from the Jim Henson Company. I was always a big fan of The Dark Crystal. So uh, when uh, I heard they were going to do a sequel, I was excited. It's been, I don't know how many years since uh, the original, but uh, I wanted to hear what they had to say. And again, they don't tell you much. They just give you little tidbits here and there, but you know nothing really uh, concrete. By this time, it was 7 o'clock, and I was tired. The cell floor was closed, and we wanted to see if we can do one more thing. Because they have, they have panels and, and things going on all the way until like midnight. So, I mean, you can do some long days there. But I wanted to get into the SNL Saturday TV Funhouse. But the, the line was huge, and the room filled up. So uh, we decided that we had had enough, we were tired, and that we were going to head home. Or head back to the hotel. And that's what we did. So that ended my day on Friday. Go to sleep now.